Welcome to the Exploring Healing Arts podcast, your go-to source for learning about different healing techniques and meeting exceptional healing arts practitioners from around the globe. Together, we explore where the physical meets the subtle, the possibilities that exist for healing, and a diverse array of methods to try, from acupuncture to yin yoga and Reiki to family constellation therapy. My name is Elizabeth Alexander. I am the creator and curator behind this podcast, a Reiki master and energy healing practitioner. This podcast is something I have dreamed of for many, many moons, and my intention is to birth the resource I wish I had had at the start of my own healing arts journey over a decade ago. Whether you are just getting started on your own journey or you are intentionally diving deeper into a healing arts practice, this podcast is the place for you. You will hear inspiring stories, get real life practical tips, and connect with exceptional practitioners and teachers from around the world. No two paths in healing are the same, but that does not mean you need to be alone. Join us to explore and experience healing together. Welcome to another episode of the Healing Arts Podcast. We've got a special guest today, Calden Ko. Originally from Eastern Tibet, Calden Ko brings a wealth of Tibetan culture and spiritual background to his sound worth, breath work, and astrology offerings. He became a monk at the age of five and continued his monastic studies until the age of 23, when he completed a three-year retreat. He subsequently escaped to India in the winter of 2000 and joined his Tibetan community in exile under His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. He moved to the United States 15 years ago, and in journeying across the United States, he came to meet people from all walks of life. He discovered that people more and more are seeking connection and serenity to offset the stress and isolation of modern lifestyles. Calden's goal is to create a community here that will combine the best of both cultures, Tibetan and American. To this end, he has dedicated his sound work, breath work, and Tibetan astrology offerings to introducing America to the warmth and spiritual strength of traditional Tibetan culture, while working to ensure the continued robust existence of Tibetan traditions. He hopes you will join him in building this community and moving toward a more enlightened, balanced, and harmonious path. Welcome, Calden. Thank you. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Thanks for being here with me. Welcome. (laughs) So you've got a very, very rich history and a lot of different global experiences. Would love to dive into your journey. But first, my favorite question to ask people is what is your ancestry? What are your roots and how do you stay connected to them or not? Originally from Tibet, uh, born and raised in Tibet. And um, grew up in the monastery. So you now I'm living in Santa Cruz. Connect with the Tibetan peoples uh, through internet, from back home. And uh, there's a bunch of Tibetan peoples uh, exile and moved to U.S. So we, uh, it's a holiness of birthdays and the Tibetan New Year's. So we gathering together, having uh, celebrations together. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're in the Santa Cruz Mountains now, and you, you even have Tibetan community in this area? Yes, we have about 20 people total. So we like pretty randomly uh, gathering together. And then I speak a Tibetan language, you know, um, more like Tibetan styles. 
having the rituals together. Yes. That's really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you also have a rich array of offerings um, that you've brought with you from Tibet to the United States. But before we dive into those, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? So you were born and raised in Tibet and you were a monk at the age of five. What is it like growing up in a Tibetan monastery? Grew up in Tibetan monastery is uh, actually wonderful. Tibetan traditionally, what they do is, uh, I have uh, five siblings, um, or five brothers, sorry, uh, eight siblings and three sisters. And uh, the first boy is going to be automatically the um, almost uh, some sort of a replace for the parents and then who are going to uh, get a wife and taking care of uh, families, um, all the business together. And the rest of the boys, usually, traditionally, they send to a monastery, which means uh, here in the U.S., uh, when the kids are sent to in the private schools, so, you know, parents try to do the best. Uh, that's what the Tibetans do. Um, sending the monastery is an extremely good opportunity to able to develop all of those knowledges and the practice. So I went to the in Tibet uh, monasteries, um, age of uh, five, and then that's the place where they started uh, a, a monk, and then um, went back to families, and then coming back back and forth a few times, and then I some sort of a permanently went to monastery age of uh, at age of eight, and then I studied all the uh, Buddhism testing books, all kinds of a philosophy, and. Uh, and then at uh, some point, uh, some sort of uh, uh, graduation, certain degrees. And then I went to in a cave for three years. We call Lhosam Chusam, which means a uh, very serious uh, meditation, three-year retreatment. And then after the retreat to finish, and then now start to exile to India. And so that was around early 2000s, is that correct? When you went from being in Tibet to being in exile in India? Yes, that was a start to come in from Tibetan capital of Tibet in 1999. And a traveler by feet walk for so many days across the Himalayas in the middle of a freezing winter because of a that's the only way you can escape in the winter freezing weather time. So there's not so much Chinese soldiers in the border. Um, so the guide also knows where to hide, where to go. It's still pretty incredibly risky by the weather, freezing temperature, but also soldiers come through uh, helicopters randomly. So you never know when's going to happen. And then it's uh, sometimes we cannot move in through. Um, you just have to hide because of the guide knows where the soldiers can see where they come in. So sometimes we have to just hide in the snows for days. It's a, it's a really challenge. I really honestly, I thought a few times I thought I'm going to be die. But also there's some sort of intuitions there that I'm going to see His Holiness Dalai Lama uh, in this life. So there is a, some sort of a, intuitions and uh, some sort of uh, uh, confidence that kind of uh, I have a feeling that to see him, able to see him. So that's the only hope that uh, we all just uh, survive and they just keep in walking. And uh, yeah. 
Wow. So to get from where you were being persecuted in Tibet to India, you cross the Himalayas in the middle of the winter. Yes, that's wow. the only way you can go because in the summer, there's more soldiers, uh, more access around the weather temperatures. So the winter is the best. And then most Tibetan people are so, a, pretty capable for high climate. They're just meant to be that way, the bodies and the lungs, everything. So uh, without any uh, modern equipment. So we made through it. Wow, that's a journey. And what was it like being a part of the refugee community that was in India? Like, where exactly were you and, you know, who else was, was there with you? It was amazing. The first time we got in Nepal and there's a Tibetan exile a refugee reception center uh, under uh, Dalai Lama. And when we got there first time, um, they just welcoming us. And then the first time in that door, the gate outside when it opened, I saw Tibetan national flag. It's almost just melted my heart and almost we all cried. And then when I just go inside of the reception center and then we saw His Holiness Dalai Lama's picture, it's almost just, a, it's like a dream, mind blowing. So we just feel like, oh, are we still allowed to put those here? You know, I just can't believe what we've seen. It's so happy moment. After a while, uh, there's one actually American guy. I'm still hoping that I'm going to see him someday. His name is Kevin. I remember his name. And he's coming, checking us some sort of, there's a clinical place. And uh, he's checking my nose, ears, and fingers, toes, every part of my body. So they've been worried. If it is a uh, frostbite or, you know, there's a lot of times people lost the parts of the bodies because of the journey. He checked my all parts of the body and then he said, you're good, you're alive, and you know you're in a freedom place and you can study whatever you want and uh, you're in a democracy. And uh, I just cried and then uh, hugged with him for a while. And um, that was uh, absolutely new life and a magical moment. Mm. Wow. The impact that one person can have in a moment where you need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Freedom is number one. Without a freedom, there's nothing left. So what was life like for you, you know, after that moment you met Kevin, you got checked out, you had a, you know, a hug that was life-changing, you cried. What did your life look like after that while you were um, in the refugee camp? It just feels like uh, really just uh, overwhelming, at the same time extremely happy. It just feels like almost just like happiest place to be because of the freedom. I just, uh, ever since, I just, people like him when I saw the just the first impression and they just, you know, when the Tibetan persons are translated to me what he say things just uh, hits my heart and then just absolutely just love it mm, wonderful and it seems like that makes you want to help other people too in the way that kevin helped you absolutely uh, it just amazing because you have no idea what people are just going through especially when the same people has no freedoms, you know, taken by for like others, someone who is more powerful and uh, they're just going through. And uh, that kind of a journey 
eventually they reach some sort of freedoms. Um, it's just completely amazing. I'm all about to just working and supporting for, you know, uh, people who have a struggling like that. Mm. And then from India and from Nepal, eventually you ended up in the United States, right? You immigrated here. Yes. And what was that process like for you? After Nepal, we stayed there for uh, three months in the refugee camp. And um, a, once they check a physical um, process, check everything, we're healthy enough, everything, we able to go to India. And then uh, we bust, came through the bus journey um, and then uh, made it to Dharamsala place where His Holiness Dalai Lama lives wow. in the exile community. And then that was one of the most absolutely beautiful moment and then happiest moment in my life. And uh, His Holiness, just the idea of His Holiness is, you know, just to be the near uh, His Holiness temple's area and to see the um, uh, views of the mountains, the background, snow mountains, everything. It's just like having just a magical place. That was in the 2000, exactly in the 2000. Wow. Did your dream of seeing the Dalai Lama come true? Yes. I had so many times a dream that, you know, he's just able to see his holiness in Tibet. And that's just pretty much, I hear so many Tibetan people see no wish and hoping. Um, and then they always have those amazing dreams that we can share each other. And then finally, i able to make that happened in my own life is just uh, something is just um, incredibly priceless, uh, just happiness. Wow. And how long were you in, in India for? I was in India total uh, eight years before I moved to U.S. I went to in the monastery, which is a uh, practice, some, you know, spiritual practice. And at uh, some point I decided to go back to Dharamsala, start to learn in English. And uh, that's a really good place to study in English. There's uh, so many international traveling who came in there for helping Tibetan refugee uh, community. Also, same time, who is uh, seeking for study about spiritual, yoga, meditation, Buddhism, philosophy, all kinds of uh, Tibetan culture, uh, they came in there for a study. And uh, we kind of like exchanging and helping each other to, you know, study each other. So I, since I was there, I have to do some sort of work at the same time for the, you know, little life expenses just to survive. And then, and then the there's no chance for me to go really serious to school because I'm already some sort of old. And um, I just went to some conversation class and um, English conversation class. And then, uh, and then we started exchanging cultures, you know, with the Westerners. And my first English teacher is Brandon from Ireland. And he's absolutely wonderful. He helps so many Tibetan students and an American guy named Ken. He is also incredibly uh, supportive. So learning English from those guys. And then it's funny, the Irish guy goes back to Ireland and he's bringing back to us Irish alcohol drink of daily. <laughs> and then he gave us a in the class. And uh, 
And we just thought that was some sort of a sugar drink, but they said it's alcohol. So he just gave us really small, tiny, tiny sips. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great segue into the next question, because when you got to Nepal and then Dharamsala, you were a monk, right? And you were practicing. And then at some point, did you transition out of being a monk or are you still a monk now? <laughs> yes. Um, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> what happened was after my English is so just to get a little bit like uh, communication, best communication is good enough. And I went to the conversation class, and then um, there's a French teacher. Uh, she's an incredibly helpful young lady who is uh, also very into Tibetan culture, traditional, everything. So her name is Deki. So that's a Tibetan name. And um, so somehow, over, like after a few class, and she and I, some sort of uh, emotional, some sort of happening right there. and. One day she said that um, after class, she said, you came over here. And she said, uh, I don't think you should be a monk. <laughs> 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 or she said, uh, you don't want to be a monk, right? Or something like that. And then I was just like, how do you know? <laughs> and uh, that was uh, kind of our first time, honestly, interaction with a female uh, emotionally. And she said, uh, uh, we should go hiking uh, next week. And uh, I say, yeah, that, you know, I go. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. So from, you know, your time in India and transitioning out of monkhood, eventually you immigrated to the United States. Right? Yes, yes. She's the one who made me demonk, and um, and then after a while, and then the relationship is uh, not there longer anymore. And then I met American girl, who's from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, she's uh, graduated from UC Santa Cruz. And um, we met in India, of course, and uh, we spent time for a little while, and uh, and we got married, and. She said she's going to spend time with me in India the rest of her life. And I was super happy about that. And uh, what kind of life living in India near his holiness and have a Western wife. <laughs> That's the most dream. And um, and at uh, some point, uh, she got pregnant. And then she said, I cannot have uh, kids in India. We have to move to U.S. It was a little bit scary moment because um, my English skills, I mean, level of my Western, some sort of a knowledge and um, everything, it's a very, very basic. So I was asked about her that, and she said, no, you're totally fine. You're going to make it. And um, she said, it's, it's, it's going to be easy. So I trust her and then also I trusted my intuition, and uh, we moved to New York, uh, Manhattan. After a little while, we decided to move. Um, I visited her families, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and a uh, few different places and East Coast. And then we both agreed that East Coast is not for us. And then we moved to Seattle, and then moved to Portland, Oregon, and then uh, Idaho, and then Boise, and then I finally ended up 
Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. So that's the place where we decided to have a baby there because uh, during the whole time when she was pregnant, it was a little stressful. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And how long were you in Boulder for? I was in Boulder for a few months, and then we decided to move to Brickenridge, Colorado, ski town. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a baby up there, and we were stayed there for six years. And then we have uh, two second baby there, so we have uh, two boys. Yeah, we were in a ski town, and uh, unfortunately, at some point, relationships uh, didn't work out, and before that, I've been traveling so many different states and different places, even different countries. And I already know that where I should go and then move to Santa Cruz. And now you're here. Yes. <laughs> and how long have you been in Santa Cruz for? I moved to Santa Cruz in uh, 2014 when I got here after, you know, falling part of relationships and the families. It's a little bit challenging to stay in a new place. I decided to go back to India, Nepal, Tibet for two years and um, just to kind of relapse and then just, you know, go back for spend time there for a little while and then move back in 2000, end of 2016. And ever since I decided to stay this beautiful place and uh, now I'm calling this is my home. Oh, lovely. Got the redwoods, the ocean, lots of cool and interesting people. Yes. Well, I'm sure love your offerings because you offer sound work, you offer breath work, you offer Tibetan astrology offerings. So can you tell us a little bit about your Tibetan sound work? Yeah, absolutely. So I decided to offer sound meditation. The reason was that when I... I traveled through this beautiful country, different states and the different parts of the country. Uh, I noticed that this is one of the most developed nations on the planet, just many ways, especially physical world. But uh, there is something missing about this culture, which is um, what I've recognized is everybody has so much. And uh, so people just automatically develop in destination that is not very necessarily healthy, which means uh, uh, once they have so much and they decided to say, hey, this is my property, this is my fence, this is my kitchen, this is my bedroom, this is my area, this is your area. So everybody needs privacy, 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 and then it's a little bit too far. And uh, this is, a dir- uh, this is in my opinion, this is a very dangerous direction which is I call loneliness direction. And I found lots of loneliness people in this modern developed country, everywhere, every parts of the country. I think loneliness is extremely dangerous and it's a very, very unpleasant place to be. And uh, I thought um, offering sound meditation and maybe some sort of a community because uh tibetan community is usually extremely gathering together sharing together they're helping each other they're almost just literally sitting just next to each other almost uh, too close you know for americans um so (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of a lifestyle because mentally emotionally uh physically we all same and um we're social animal we're meant to be to to touch each other, to, you know, connect to 
to each other. So we're like we meant to be together. We happiness and sadness is everything that depends on each other. We can help each other. We also can make suffering each other. So we're completely uh, has to be yeah, some sort of a social circle. We have to able to handle it because this is a, how life's uh, supposed to be. So if you stay out of a, that kind of a social circle and um, human is not emotionally, unless you're like a super meditative, living and able to be in a cave, some sort of a uh, serious sp- uh, s- uh, spiritual developed in that's totally different case. But if you're not that kind of a practitioner, then it's uh, important to be around in a social community. And so your sound offerings are an opportunity for people to come in community? Absolutely. And uh, so they just bring together and then uh, during the meditation together, have an experience with the sound together. And then afterward, I my goal is always I wanted to offer or tease and then people just to share the experience and then just ask names each other to just connect with each other and then found in new friends to each other in the same place in the same community and then why not we just you know uh, say hello to each other and then sharing the stories life is too short life is extremely precious and um uh, we need to have good times and a good life. Um, so happiness is, it depends on each other. We know how to make a happy each other. And we just have to open mind and heart to express to each other. Mm, yeah, I love that. I know when I went to the sound bath, you invited me to. And Big Sur, it was like, we went for a walk together. Then you had all your instruments. We did the sound bath, meditated together. And then I think it was even a, People stuck around afterwards and shared food and shared conversations and got to know each other. And the community aspect of it really um, came through and was beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's all we need. So tell us a little bit about some of the other community members, uh, your instruments that you bring with you. <laughs> yes. Um, I mostly do um, Land of Medicine Buddha. Especially before the pandemic, uh, twice a week I'm offered there. It's just for community and uh, extremely helpful for, for, you know, just to bring the community together. And then also offer lots of different places all the way go, uh, what's called the, uh, some sort of a mountain Shasta area. Uh, what's the county? Lake County? No, it's a little closer than that county name that. Napa, and then what the next one? You're challenging my California geography. <laughs> um. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to make a note of it in the yes. show notes. We'll look it up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a kind of like a Mendocino area. Right. And cool. a little bit more further than north of there, there's a few festivals I went there and then uh, communities. And then also I did a lot of uh, uh, places in the Marin, Berkeley. And the uh, Oakland and uh, San Jose, La, uh, Las Gatos, and uh, and then the Santa Cruz, of course. And then I went down in uh, Southern California, and then also goes to and then this giant uh, big festivals called the Lightning in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, never been anything like that in my life. <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely incredible. 
uh, there's a book called Gang Sanctuary, and um, it's it just amazing. It's about like uh, over 50,000 people, and uh, there's uh, music stages everywhere, and uh, there's uh, so many people just having fun, all kinds of things they're doing, and uh, music is everything. And uh, when I walk through that, and then I keep in saying, God bless America, and um, and then my friend is uh, finally asking me, why you keep in saying, God bless America? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, um, well, I didn't even notice, but that's just happening because of, uh, you know, what my journey is here now. So... The reason I'm saying this because of, um, yeah, you know, festivals everywhere in the world, India, everywhere, but like the sound quality is here probably the better than I have ever seen. And then plus the people doing here, like, you know, some people are just maybe weed or whatever are doing, but everybody's having a good time and enjoy. There's electricity to build mushrooms in the sky and then absolutely just a fascinating place. And then I just say, and God bless America because of the freedom here that they can do everything they want as long as you're not hurting others and you can enjoy the parties and the lives, everything, the best of the best music, the sound quality is everything. So just freedom is a matter, and uh, here is the freedom. So I just want to make sure everybody enjoy and appreciate the freedom. So when you travel, whether it's to these you know, festivals that bring together thousands of people or into someone's home, do you play different instruments? Or what, what, does, yeah, what does the sound bath entail? Yeah, uh, sound bath, the Tibetan uh, sound bath is a uniquely is a, it's a very unique or special, I would say, because um, there's a prayer, say, Chunga Chimbo Daino Simchin Dinger Turesho, which means by the virtue of sound, may all sentient beings be liberated from the suffering. That's just the goal. And traditionally, uh, guns and singing bowls have uh, been around and now. Uh, Tibetan, especially in the monasteries, especially the early Buddhism, which means the Bombo lineage, uh, been around many thousand years. And um, so gongs and the singing bowls and the charms and um, the rock tones, and then it sounds like a didgeridoo. It's kind of very similar. And there's so many instruments that I'm offering and related with the culture and then many different spiritual purposes some like uh, anniversary ceremony, pujas, or like reaching or so meditative state or sending the prayers and thoughts and uh, just, you know, good energies sending to the, um, all the sentient beings that who's living in the suffering realms, uh, all kinds of uh, positive wishes. So basically, uh, just uh, this, instrument that I'm offering here is really brings in the memories and the energies, brings authentic Tibetan traditional culture. And then plus I'm offering Tibetan chanting, throat chanting. It's a really a fascinating uh, throat chanting is one of the number one sound on the planet that brings your peace and uh, harmonies. Um, uh, relaxation, the nerve, parasympathetic nervous system, and uh, and then the gongs and the singing bowls, and the second, and then there's so many those instruments that can help and the people. Yes, the, your question. Um, 
lots of private places. It depends on the space. If it is not uh, outdoor, indoor, then I do uh, maybe one gong. It's just so huge and then loud, so it's don't need two, three. Um, otherwise, uh, outdoor uh, places, I go with the gongs and then three gongs and then uh, all the instruments. That's really cool. So it's bowls, gongs, uh, the Tibetan, as you're doing, use your throat, you use your own body and your mind as instruments as well. Absolutely. Uh, this is something I saw as a fascinating. Uh, back in the year 1967, American professor Houston Smith uh, went back to India and he recorded some Tibetan monks throughout the chanting and then bring back that re- report and give to MIT sound engineers. And uh, this found something absolutely blowing mind stuff that something they beyond their thinking, uh, you know. The sound frequency, like really uh, bass and a lower frequency that humans even can't hear, like uh, elef- you know, like the elephants, the sound like hundred miles, they can communication that the, through the sound that humans cannot hear, and uh, kind of a similar way, but the human there just has a but is uh, the singing voice and the songs, all kinds of things, instruments, by the way, the monks hitting the level of the frequencies, it's uh, just like absolutely blows the mind. That's the only way you can hit the throat chanting. That actually extremely helps the brain nervous system and an anxiety, stress, um, any sort of a some sort of a suffering and then actually potential have to, you know, like really common and a peace. When that happens uh, automatically, you know, bodies are healing because your lower blood pressures, uh, you know, lower blood pressures are getting better and um, memories are getting better, uh, focus is getting better. There's so many health-wise benefits. So... Yeah, so it's absolutely something we all should because this is a natural, which is organic, and we can just practice that we have our own, and we can heal ourselves. But it has this natural intelligence, and then the gift is on our uh, self. Love that. I love all of what you just said. And something that I want to ask you is related. You talk about the prayer that you're doing during the sound bath to help liberate all beings from suffering. What is the meaning of life to you? The meaning of life is we can talk spiritually and uh, physically and uh, materially. So meaning of life is, uh, to me, since we were born here, the death has already exist. But the problem is a lot of people don't even want to think about it. And then almost they kind of like wanted to forget about it. There's no doubt to exist. What they're doing and the actions and the works, everything, it's almost there's no doubt to come in. You know, it's just uh, like they're they going to be stay here forever. That's kind of the attitude. So the truth is life is extremely short. And uh, we will come in here for 
with nothing, with the uh, materially, and then we will live with nothing. So we have to remember that daily life. So that way we can be more relaxed and calm and peace and less attachment, less desire and uh, less jealous, less competition. There's so many benefits about that. So life is impermanent and uh, you never know once you're going, but there's a sure enough that the longest is going to be 100 years and uh, could be a lot shorter than that. So we need to remind and enjoy the life. And then element ways, like we were coming with the element and we were living with the element and then we will uh, live with the element. So just, you know, body is not belong to us and then everything else is not belongs to us. And this is a almost like a dream and illusion. So, you know, sometimes it's important to see that kind of a perspective once in a while, once we get too intense or a, or a, um, some sort of a superficial lifestyle. <laughs> and then uh, spiritually, uh, we came in with the karma. Uh, whatever you've done in the past uh, still impacts your this life. That's why we have a lot of uh, sufferings. That's why we have uh, lots of a challenge. And then uh, something we don't want to be angry person, but you can't help it because there's a deep karma imprint in your life. You cannot get rid of it. But you have this human intelligence and you can try to work in on and clarify those things. And then you know, the you can preparation this and you can build a very good positive karma so you can take with you. You come in with the karma and you will live with the go with the karma. So karma take with you nothing else. Know with your house, know your car, know with your financial, know with your loved ones, know with your on your even physical body, you're going to leave every single thing behind except the karma. Remember, just focus on sometimes a little bit more deeper level and at least use a human intelligence and wisdom preparation a little bit because matters of a time we have to go there at some point. Always nice to have some preparations for them a uh, more deeper level if you do something good it's all good for next life for sure but even good for this life too if you've been nice and kind and respect just been helpful to your friends and then you have a good life and uh, you are much more be happier more surrounded with the uh, happy people with someone at least who really likes you or like who doesn't want to hurt you at least so yes uh, that's the just to be happy and then you know successful is a happiness uh, if you're able to live a happy and be kindness that's the meaning of life mm. You're able to be happy and live in kindness. That's the meaning of life. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious, what are some of the ways you come from a Tibetan background, Tibetan ancestry? So you can see from, you know, the Tibetan perspective, Western culture. What are some ways that you think Western culture could do better at being happy and living kindly. Yes. It's a very uh, rich of information in the Western culture, um, like a very intellectual 
society has lots of information through the online internet. Everybody read about it. Everybody saw about it. But we need to be a little bit more better, actually, uh, practitioner. Once you saw what is the kindnesses that are beneficial, we actually try to be a kind of person deeply. And what is the angry is harmful. It just, you know, angry makes the wrong decisions, the wrong path, even like a high blood pressures, you know, go bad. And even like anger is eating constantly in your immune systems. Uh, there's lots of bad about, you know, the negative part. And uh, so we just be more like, we don't need to tell them, like as a, uh, as a Westerners doesn't need to information, they already know, but it just uh, need to be more practitioners, a reminder, be more practice, more, you know, promise every day you wake up early in the morning, you just, you know, make your bed clean and then just at the same time, thank you so much. I'm in life and thank you, you know, been serving me this wonderful time and then um, I'm coming back here. And then with being kind to everybody today as much as I can, at least I'm not going to be hurt or mean to any anyone. So that kind of a sort of a practice of like a daily routine stuff. And then over time, you're able to shift your personalities and uh, uh, develop the quality. So that kind of a system is uh, able to build your inner strength and peace and, you know, self-empowerment, more healthier mentally, emotionally, and physically. So if you could go back and tell a younger version of Calden, a younger version of yourself, anything, what would you want to say to him? Oh, <laughs> interesting. Um, I am been through a lot uh extremely difficult to challenge things that happened in my life there is a few times that i'm going to be no longer alive uh just some of the situations are very rough it doesn't matter you didn't do anything wrong it's still you know things can happen to you that's something i always believe that related with the you know, past karma. So, and then everything happens for the purpose, for the reason. So I'm here now. Honestly, everything was a um, very awakening, um, very interesting journey. If it is a uh, very challenging and difficult, I'm actually right now as I'm very enjoyed that I've been through that. Um, and then sometimes your decision is, doesn't seem like uh, the right decision. But it's meant to be, and um, I'm actually really happy with uh, everything. There's nothing really necessarily. I just wish I'd done differently anything. So, you know, everything is meant to be, and um, I'm just looking forward uh, just to continuing through this journey. No, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to head into some rapid-fire questions. These are just short sweet answers so the first one is where is your favorite place in nature to be oh lord um <laughs> as a generally um i love uh, mountains which is a uh, himalaya and rocky mountain generally but right now specifically i absolutely in love with the big sir <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> 
And then uh, obviously Yosemite, Lake Tahoe, it just go on and on. It just, um, yes, endless. What is your beverage of choice, your favorite drink right now? I love herb teas, and then absolutely my favorite is uh, fresh water. Fresh water. Do yes. you have a favorite herbal tea? Oh, uh, yes. I uh, I have some uh, herbal teas. Honestly, I don't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> They're just good. <laughs> yes. Um, I know the label. I just got it, and then I know the taste is like, and then I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a Tibetan. <laughs> <laughs> what is your top tip for good energy hygiene? Good energy hygiene. Just when you wake up early in the morning, a, uh, just, uh, you know, I have a ritual, a little bit of meditation and a prayer. And then also a thinking process about like, uh, you know, ritual stuff, positive stuff, which is a very, very helpful for my mind as a shopper and a capable in early in the morning. The reason is uh, just to wake up, means uh, also my mind is awake up but my three poison is some sort of a still sleep and i can always make a very good decision in that moment and then some sort of a not necessarily promising but a kind of a commit to what i'm going to do today so just whatever is and uh, just uh, you know and the follow flow love that i have a, a segue question yes you said you know your three some things are still asleep. What are those? Uh, three poison, which means yeah, desire and the jealousy and ignorance. Is that Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhism? Yes, Tibetan Buddhism, yes, absolutely. And uh, those are weird. Literally, uh, humans are drunk by those, especially ignorance. Um, it's though probably everybody needed to get out of the ignorance because ignorance brings lots of. Uh, desire lots of a jealous and that's the circle that we suffer so much for no reason if you don't have those things and then you're like most likely able to be more happier person so yes um so we kind of needed to control our mind that not some sort of a drunk by those things because of a it's directly relates with your health because of a Mind is a control in your emotion system, and the emotion system is a control in your brain system, and the brain system is a control in a nervous system, and the nervous system is a control in your muscles, and the muscles and the physical bones. Of course, everything is just completely connected. So, if you mind is a completely not stable, like just angry, jealous, all kinds of those kind of things happen, and your emotions become absolutely just kind of a tornado, chaos, and then that just makes your brain and nervous system is absolutely chaos. So, if a nervous system isn't like um, not uh, functioning, parasympathetic, a sympathetic nervous system, both are not functioning. That's part of the nervous system, by vagus nervous, everything doesn't work really well with your body. That's why our body is sometimes confusing. The nervous system is messed up. That's why even like our intestine system, sometimes they leak in the you know, process stuff. That's why the body think, oh, there's an antigen. Oh, there's a oh, new, they're sending the army. They're fighting together. And then there's an illness coming. And then there's all kinds of suffering happening in your physical body. 
because of your actually mentally you're not healthy and that's everything is related with it. It's just fascinating. Uh, in the Western world, a lot of people want to talk about the brain. There's a new brain, new brain. Yes, brain is absolutely uh, kin of the all the controls, but who controls the brain? It's uh, the brain is controlled by a nervous system, and the nervous system is um, the uh, sorry, uh, brains are controlled by the emotion system. The emotion system is controlled by your mind. Mind is controlled by mind over mind. When you meditative, when you focus on your mind, and then everything is uh, going to be healthier and more functioning, and then it's a much more better place to be. So take a little bit of time every morning to get your mind right. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Cool. And then how do you define or see healing? I see uh, healing is just helping to stay out of suffering. Beautiful. All right. So, Calden, this has been amazing <laughs> for people that are really appreciating your story, that may be curious about sound work, they want to find you and connect with you. Where should they go? Right now, yeah, I've just been in American modern life. I don't have so much information, so, <laughs> but I built a tiny bit website, which is a caldencola.com. My probably biggest one so far is the Instagram I use in it. Just put, uh, just put in some, just photos. That's it right now, honestly, but that will be caldin.co. <laughs> cool. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. So those of you that are curious, about connecting with Calden, learning more about his offerings and where to find him. Um, there'll be links below to both the Calden Co. website and Calden Co. Instagram. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Calden. It's such an honor to get to hear and get to share your story here on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing it and also just sharing your wisdom about healing and the importance of connection and kindness and how that can really lead us to being happy. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast. I hope that our words, our stories, and the wisdom shared on today's episode inspire you and support you in feeling connected. If you loved this episode, please leave us a five-star review so we can reach more people. And as a thank you for listening, join me for a mini course on energy hygiene. You get three simple practices you can do anywhere, anytime to support you in feeling more grounded, connected to yourself, and confident in your energetic boundaries. Sign up at energyhealingelizabeth.com slash energy hygiene. Thanks for being here today, and I look forward to being with you again soon. The primary purpose of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast is to inspire and educate. As a reminder, the information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to speak with your doctor for professional medical advice or treatment. Opinions offered on this podcast are just that, opinions.